Hello, hello, listeners. Welcome to the January 21st episode of the Stir Podcast. We're so happy that you're with us. I'm your host, Casey Helton, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Ellen Keaton. Hi. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Um, we have a really good show planned for you today. We have a special interview um, with a featured guest on Zoom. I'll go over it in the rundown. Uh, here in just a minute, but um, I wanted to first talk about the fact that uh, we are still here. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, two weeks ago, we recorded an episode and then our episode got corrupted. Yeah, we so recorded we to publish it. So. Right. We recorded a whole ass episode. OK, like it, it was a really good one. And I really I was pretty bummed. I think and we both were like so we had. Sarah Cross, local attorney Sarah Cross, on our show, and uh, a substitute teacher friend of ours named Tanya Lefevre, who came on, and the four of us sat, and we had the best conversation about school boards. We talked about Moms for Liberty because that's one of the things that Sarah Sarah is a uh, um, she sits on the board for Defense of Democracy, and which is like a pro democracy nationwide group, and they've really been. Um, going after um, and exposing Moms for Liberty members for like the frauds that they are. And Sarah went all into that, told her whole story about how she got involved in that. And we were so excited. We're like, this is a great interview. I can't wait to publish it. And then in production, we realized it was all corrupted. (laughs) So (laughs) the good news is, though, the good news is, is that Tanya and Sarah have both agreed to come back in February. It will be, I believe, um, February 18th. It's like the, I want to say, it's like our second February episode. So we publish every other Sunday. So it'll be the second episode in February where they are going to come back. We're going to do the whole thing over again, even better this time, and give you all the, the, the tea on um what's been going on with moms for liberty so um yeah definitely be sure to stay tuned for that so for sure what else have we got going on uh, i got a haircut i chopped all my hair off i loved it i'm very happy yeah I've got a little bob going on i'm definitely haven't been keeping up on my haircuts unfortunately well for covid look, it's like well, well look at <laughs> I like it. I like your look. I like your vibe. So I just needed it because, like, I had COVID hair for, like, two years. It was getting long and straggly. And thanks to the ladies at Breeze Salon in Brighton for getting me fixed up with my uh, with my sassy bob. Well, there is, like, a – but, yeah, uh, we want to talk about the whole bus thing. And- yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. She's getting me back on track. I, 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 I'm on a – is it, like my mic is it like in my face i need to make sure i'm like woo okay are we good i'm good okay, okay. so ella it, she wants to get down in business so here we go she wants mm-hmm. to talk to us a little bit about some updated news that she has about um transit here in livingston county which for those who are not aware ella is running for county commission yes district Four. District four in Which Heartland. Which is the one that encompasses Heartland. Right. And the thing that I want to show you. So uh, Heartland has never had a fixed bus route before. Um, any sort of bus, the public bus that stops 
in Heartland. Uh, that might change soon. Um, so let me show you uh, this map here. So this, if we go a little bit north, we have Flint. Now, the thing about Flint is that they actually run buses to Livingston County. Specifically, they run buses to Howell and to Brighton. And what you might notice about both of these is that in order to get to both of these places from Flint, you have to go right through Heartland. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, right now, those buses that they run do not stop there. Which is kind of weird because a whole lot of people live in Heartland, so they yeah. and they may and want to is, catch like you, right? Yeah, and there's also <laughs> jobs in Heartland. Yeah, too. Heartland is a real growing. It's a real burgeoning kind of yeah. area right now. There's a lot of retail establishments in Heartland. Yeah, Target, the vi the movies, um, all kinds of little shops. But yeah, and so stuff. you know, a few months ago, I was uh, talking to the people who run these buses, the MTA Flint, and I talked to them. And they are actually now, just now, starting to look into this. Uh, um, they contacted, um, they contacted Let's about it and started uh, working with them uh, just, uh, you know, this Thursday. Okay. And you know, it's f here's a funny story. Uh, that evening, I, w w I ran into Wes Nakagiri. I asked if he knew anything about it, and he didn't. Uh, he didn't know anything about it, but yet you knew about it. Yeah, I knew about it. Like... So it seems to me like the reason you know about it is because you actually care about this issue. Yeah. And it seems like public transit should be an issue that your your county commissioners should really care about because not everybody drives and you need people, some of these uh, people who work um, the types of job, like, you know, retail. 50% of, over 50% of Livingston County's residents work outside of the county. Right. We need good regional transit. Let's is great if you're uh, trying, if you're staying within the county. Let's is a really great service. But um, it's, you know, our regional transit game needs to be a lot better. We need connections to Flint. We need connections to Detroit. To Lansing to Ann Arbor and these are this is money that's not going to be the county's not going to have to pay anything extra for this this is no. just about capturing funds that are already available right this is just about you know taking a bus that's already running and making it even more useful making it more efficient like that seems to me to be like if somebody really cared if you were in public office you really cared about that issue you were really serving all of your residents not just residents who have the privilege of accessing a vehicle all your residents who need to work whether or not they have a vehicle that is something you should care about but you don't really see you don't really hear i'm I, you don't want to probably diss on west nakagiri but i will you don't really want to hear about what somebody uh west nakagiri rather doesn't want to hear about this that or uh, you know issues that are of everyday concern at everyday residents like getting to your job he wants to like sit on his seat there on the county commission and you know inflame culture wars over things like guns abortion whatever like stuff that doesn't really affect everyday life yeah. so i think ella you're gonna i'm i'm really happy that you're continually drawing attention to the issue yeah, because the, the other thing about this whole bus thing to flint is you remember that snowstorm that we had? Yeah, tell about what happened. You, you were telling me about this before uh, yeah. we started. Yeah, um, so I was actually down in Windsor that on Thursday. Not not like the, th 
Thursday. It, it was Thursday, like I think the eleventh, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week the snowstorm, the big snowstorm we all had that like. Well, the snowstorm shut was everyone Friday. inside. It was the next day on Friday, so it was Friday morning. You know, I was, you know, in Detroit, and I wanted to um, get back here. So well, I yeah, because you live here. I got on the yeah, because I live here. <laughs> I got on the bus that goes to Flint. And, right. And for snowstormy reasons, uh, I got delayed by like three hours. I didn't get I didn't get to Flint until like nine forty five. Yeah, that's a little bit insane. For and then ca- for comparison, Livingston County Transit. I mean, Lats Transportation closes at nine. Yeah. So you did. So you were shut out. By the time you got there, you were shut out. Yes, basically. Yeah, that's and not then, great. You know what happened the next day? They you... just they just closed. They were closed all day except for medical trips, which obviously you know, me yeah. gallivanting around in uh, various cities around here is not medical at so all. So that left you with very few options then at yeah. that point. Yeah, so that's no good. So I didn't really get home until Monday. Yeah, you were waylaid in Flint. For like a whole week, for like a whole few days, right? Yeah. You were I mean, basically I, stuck out there. I took a lot of cat photos, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, what that else are you cool. going to do? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, yeah. I just think it's great. And really, you just showed that like, all you have to do is just care. You know yeah. what I mean? And make a few phone calls to people that you're connected with and point out the issue. And sometimes it's really that simple. Yeah. And so, you know, by you calling attention to the issue, you have helped them create the you know you've really played a role which yeah. i think is wonderful in like helping to bring this particular stop to heartland and you yeah. should be i think you should be kind of proud of that whether you win or you don't win like it well, shows that you care you know that's good. all i can say is you know i just i just hope this stop shows up soon yeah, um, yeah. i think it will be beneficial to quite a few people you know um you know, if you live in Heartland and you work in Flint or you work in Fenton because this bus does stop in Fenton, it also, you know, it does go to Brighton and Howell. I don't know if we'll be able to use it that way, mm-hmm. but I don't see why not. And while Let's does exist, it does close at 9. Um, the buses that MTA Flint runs down here run like through like, you know, 1 a.m., 5 a.m. Yeah. It's, it runs in the middle of the night. And, and let's be honest, the people who work in all those retail establishments in Heartland that you yeah. see, like Target, the movie theater, um, all those shops, um, they probably don't live in Heartland. Like, do you remember when you and I went to, we were talking about your campaign, we went to, uh, I won't say what it, the restaurant is, but we went to a local restaurant yeah. in Howell. And we asked the waitress, we said, do you live in Livingston County? And she gobsmacked both of us. She lived all the way out in Perry. The waitress did. The waitress drives from Perry to downtown Howell to work as a waitress. Like, you cannot afford to live out here right now if you're working as in any sort of, like, lower income level jobs, retail, service industry, like, those sorts of things. So... A lot of times people who work those kind of jobs, they need access to public transit because let's face it, cars are getting more and more expensive. Um, 
my husband and I, we always drive beaters. Like, my husband hit a deer earlier this week. It was horrible. He total, He drives this very old Nissan, and we just we buy beaters, and then we fix them up, and then we drive them until the wheels fall off, and then we oh, buy yeah, more beaters. I saw this screwed up car. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, he was okay. Um, but and then we're we're on we're in the process of like buying another beater from our mechanic, and so like we looked at buying a new car. Like for me, when my car kind of died. And the cost was insane. And, like, we had some of – I mean, we could How much was the cost? Though? I, I want to say this was – well, it was in the, like, 20000 range. Like, he was – Jim was looking into it more than I. And then we ended up finding our mechanic who we love, Bob Partiak. Love you, Bob Partiak. <laughs> he found um, – he he had a car for me that we bought for him and it was an absolute steal. So now I drive the Golden Impala. I love that car. It's got like major horsepower. It's, it was like a grandmother car that never had been driven, but um, and it it rides. I love that car. So, but to buy a new car is yeah. so like it's so out of people. It's ever more increasingly getting out of people's price range. Like for heaven's sakes, even the people who make these cars. That's like when you talk to the UAW and the unionizing efforts that they've been. That was one of their primary complaints. They said, we're here making these cars on the assembly line, and we don't even get paid enough to buy the cars that we're making. So, I mean, hopefully some of that's going to change because the UAW has been making like, you know, they got their contract. They're making major strides all over the country um, and unionizing. But it's a real, I mean, it's a problem. You know, it's cars are very, very expensive. And I can't lease because I commute. I mean, like I put too many miles on a car to lease, really. So, um, anyway, I just yeah. wanted to say, I think and you're you, doing you great. You say you live in, uh, I mean, you work at the, where do you work? I work from, um, at U of M hospital. So yeah. I drive out there like all the time. And they actually have, there is a, there is actually a bus route that goes from Brighton to that hospital, but, but you I work can't n- use it because no. you work night. I work eat, so. right. So I work late. I don't get off work till midnight. So, um, yeah, that's we not going to work better for transit. Me. We need better yes. regional transit in this 100%, county. 100% I will not clap. You will get mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eric clapping at your comment. You are 100% right. We need, and we need a county board that is going to focus on these things, people. For heaven's yeah. sakes, let's get back to like a government that functions for like local issues for local people. Can we do that? Like, is it really that hard? We haven't seen that from our county board. I don't, I don't even remember the last time, really. Yeah, they just want to sit there and worry about. Right. Trains people in sports. We kind of, like, we got way off. How are we doing on time? When did we start this thing? Uh, we are 15 minutes okay, in. Okay, we're 15 right. minutes in. We said we were only going to do, like, 20, 30 minutes. So, because we have, we have an awesome interview, you guys. I, I was going to do a rundown. We kind of jumped right in it. But we have a woman on the show after our break. Her name is Angie Roulier. Angie Roulier has written a book. She is from Howell. It's a book on cannabis. It's called Pot for the People, The Plant, the people and the shop policies of cannabis. I don't know if like you can see I'm that. Put, I'm gonna put it up. On She's gonna put it. Alice gonna put a quick picture up there. But um, when we when we do the interview, right? Yeah. So, yeah. When we interview Angie, we're interviewing her today after the break over Zoom. She's gonna talk okay. all about this book, and uh, we also mentioned in there that uh, there is a dispensary issue that may be coming to the city of Howell. Um, there's a attorney that well, we'll talk about. We'll talk. It yeah, there. we'll talk about it more because time do you want to do the interview now well let's 
No, you know, let's let's keep going. Let's talk our topics, okay. and then we'll put the interview. Oh, well, wait, we want to do good vibes, too, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe what we'll do, we'll run. We're just flying by the seat of our pants here, folks. <laughs> yeah. We'll do the interview. We're going to run that with Angie, because we've got it already. We pre-recorded it. Yeah. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the rest of our headlines, and we're going to do good vibes, okay? okay? So we're going to talk about the Livingston GOP implosion. You don't want to miss that. Humongous news. Local Republican Party, like, imploded. Uh, last week and then also a a local judge judge hattie is retiring and we're going to talk about the process for finding a replacement um coming up next and i think that's oh and good vibes good vibes we have a good good vibe so let's let's uh go to break and then we'll have our we'll have our interview stay tuned Hey, welcome back, everybody to the stir thank you so much for coming back to us um we're very excited today. We have a very special guest on. I have been waiting a couple months <laughs> at least to talk with this woman. She's phenomenal. Her name is Angie Rulier, and she's a Howell resident, and she has written a book. Um, a book, it's a resource guide. It's extremely informative, and it really, it, it kind of gets to the heart of something we wanted to focus on here today at the stir, because I know this is a topic that's on a lot of people's minds. It's a very popular subject, cannabis. And Angie, who is here with us today via Zoom. Welcome, Angie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thank, thanks so much for being here. Angie has written this book, Pot for the People. And it just came out in November, right? Was it November yeah. when it came out? Okay, so this is a new release. We're going to talk a little bit with Angie about her book. We're going to talk about why she wrote it um, and have her give a little background on herself and explain what this is about. Now, Angie, let me let me make sure I have this correct, because I've I've read I've read a lot of this book since you and I first talked. You reached out to me via email when you first heard about our show, and I so appreciated that um, because you are very passionate about the subject of cannabis, specifically medical cannabis, um, but all things scientific, um, I think, uh, related to the subject. And you wanted... You know, you wanted an opportunity to be interviewed, and I, I was so happy that you, you reached out because I think this is a really important issue to a lot of people. Um, so I wanted to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself, first of all, and uh, say a little bit about who you are and what, what brought you into this subject. I know there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but and what made you go ahead and, and write this book? Okay, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you the microphone. <laughs> First of all, why don't you start out telling us a little? Because I, I know there's a lot involved with this. There's a, there, I, I listened to a podcast that you were on. You were on a Christian, like this was a Christian, a podcast that deals with Christianity and cannabis, right? Not Correct. too long ago. What was the name of that podcast? It was. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's Christian. It's conversation Christianity and cannabis. Conversation um, so... Christianity and cannabis. I listened to that whole interview and I was fascinated because it's not really. You think Christianity and you think cannabis, and you don't necessarily like naturally meld those two subjects together. But th- that just goes to show, I think, the breadth of interest in this topic and the range of people who actually would consider themselves cannabis users, um, which does include Christians, right? 
Um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, so, and you went in a little bit about your story. So you, you got involved in, um, becoming a consumer of cannabis through a diagnosis. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, ish. So my family and I, we have um, a neurological hereditary disorder called CMT, Charcot-Marie Tooth. Um, it, it's not going to kill us, but it does a lot of wasting of the muscles and things of that nature. So since it runs in the family, we all kind of had like this protocol that we went through as far as doctors and, you know, what prescriptions we're going to take. Um, after decades of me taking these pills, my kidneys were really starting to have some really bad issues. Um, so I went to my neurologist and again, here's another pill to take to cover the side effects of the first pill and blah, blah, blah. We've all heard that story. Um, it wasn't good enough for me anymore. Um, I decided to take it into my own hands and do a lot of research. Uh, Michigan brought on the medical marijuana caregiver program back in 2008. Um, and like most of us, um, the only real experience I had with the smoking weed, pot, cannabis, any way that you want to put it was high school you know, hanging out in parking lots and bonfires and, you know, things of that nature. So when they came along and they said, you know, this can actually work for you at a medical level, I kind of called bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, how can something that I've been using recreationally all of a sudden be good for me? You are skeptic um, kind of about that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah abs as most of us are. And that, you know, gets into a lot of the root of why I've decided to do this with the rest of my days is because there is so much misinformation out there and the stigma is absolutely real. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, you really can't blame people. It only took us 80 plus years to get this far, you know, from reefer madness, you know, all the way up to where we are today. <laughs> yeah. um, so we do cut some slack, you know, we do give benefit of the doubt, but we all have questions. And that's why it really pushed me to get into this industry because, of course, you know, I had more questions than a four-year-old at bedtime, mm -hmm. how it can work, how it can't work, what's it going to do to me, what does it do to my family? Um, so I got into the Michigan cannabis industry 2010-ish, uh, um, and just I, I found I wasn't the only one. There's so many questions out there. Some people are all for it. Some people are totally against it. My biggest thing is make educated opinions. You know, please learn on the topic. I'm not here to, you know, push cannabis on you. And I'm also not here to demonize it. I am promoting, you know, personal responsibility and doing your own legwork and making that decision for yourself, whether it is something that is going to benefit you or not. And you got to look at all the different levels Did you um, find, of what's going on. With products. Did you find that in your search for information that there was a lack of resources of, of like balanced resources to, to give people. And is that something that might maybe led you to write this book? For sure. That's definitely a part of it because it's, you know, cannabis has been such a wonderful culture for so long, but it, it kind of hinders us because it takes away from the medical aspect. You know, you know, some of us, you know, we, we do enjoy a Cheech and Chong movie, but that doesn't mean you know, that cannabis can't work for, you know, chronic pain. Um, so there's absolutely a disconnect between the two. And, you know, my biggest thing, if I can say anything to people who are looking to get into cannabis is please do your own research. Yeah. Please consider the source. Do not get your information from Reddit or High Times Magazine. Right. Uh, you know, look at places, you know, like John Hopkins or the Mayo Clinic. And when I wrote this book, I did so much research. Yeah. And I've tagged 
all of the research at the bottom of every page, you know, if so you you're cited, to... you're definitely cited, you know, you've cited your research for sure here. And, you know, you brought up Cheech and Chong. It just makes me think of that. Cause that's mm -hmm. Cheech and Chong is kind of a trope. Like that's the kind it of is. thing, like a lot of people I think immediately think of are a bunch of wasted but, potheads when it comes right. to the issue of cannabis. But I think that people really like you mentioned, there's so much medical research out there. Sometimes that and that stigma has really, I think, um, been harmful in a way for people who are suffering from legitimate medical diagnoses and might want to um, look into varieties of treatment for them. You know, they. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll share my story really quick before we get into this, because when you when you and I talked about this a little bit over the phone when we were arranging this interview. Um, so I grew up in a dry household, completely dry. I grew up in a Christian household and there was no drinking. There was no smoking of any kind. There was no nothing, certainly not marijuana. And there definitely was a stigma around marijuana and I, in our house, in our household, but it never, it like never came up. Cause like, if my, if I ever was done, if I ever did that, I'd be grounded for life. Right. I didn't yeah, even know. It'll I was be grounded. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and my mother got like, I talk about my mom a lot on this show. Cause you know, I love her. I miss her. And she passed away in 2015 of, of cancer. And, um, she had a very rare form of, cancer called sarcoma um and in her abdomen and she did uh aggressive chemo for two years fought like a warrior but eventually you know the it, the disease overtook her and she went into hospice and a lot of people don't know this but um, when you go, when you have a family member that goes into hospice hospice meaning they're not gonna treat you anymore that's what palliative care that you're they're just treating your your symptoms at that point no more chemo comfort, no more care. anything and mm -hmm. she had made that decision and it was it was a hard decision but for her it was pretty obvious um that it's what she needed she wanted to do and we we respected it and they bring you a little box in hospice it's literally like a little white box the nurses do mm -hmm. and it's got a couple different kinds of medications in it and they make you sleep all the time they don't you don't have you don't have any appetite you um you're basically your options are like and i don't mean like if I, if there are any hospice people that are listening to this i'm not trying to i respect hospice nurses i very much do um and i one of the most respected nurses that i have but like the treatment options are not always that great like you don't have a lot of choices for medications. The, at least that was our personal experience. I don't know. It may be different for other people. It may be different now. It's, you know, it's, this was in, this was in 2015. So, um, and my mother decided to have, um, to try medical cannabis for the first time. And it was difficult for her. And the thing that I hated about it is that she, I, I could sense that she had a real shame and she should not have had to feel shame in her last days with her family. Um, and we had, we had tried to get her to, to do this for <laughs> when she first started treatment, she outright refused because of the stigma. Right. So she, she, she was having trouble with her appetite when she first started chemo. There's no way she would have considered trying medical cannabis in the beginning of her treatment, but it wasn't until she was in hospice, she got so desperate to try anything. 
And it did help her. It brought her appetite back. It made her want to be awake and be with her new grandbaby and be with us and sit and talk. And we had quality time with her. So when you reached out to me, um, I was like, yes, absolutely. A million times. Yes. Because patients should not have to feel that, you know, to have to suffer from a stigma like that. They should be making informed decisions without stigmas, which is why I'm so glad you wrote this book. So apologies. I took a long narrative there, but uh, I just wanted to share that story because what you're saying is so true. And I believe so strongly in it, what you're doing. So, so you worked in the can, you said you worked in the cannabis industry for a little bit and then you wrote the book, right? Is that, did I hear that right? Uh, Yeah. So I had been in the cannabis industry. I'm going on 13 years now. Um, And I would say about 10 of that was around the retail counter. So I was speaking to people like you on the other side of the counter, you know, asking what mom should be taking, you know, at this stage of, you know, her hospice. Um, Or, I mean, we would always see groups, especially when, you know, it was such a dire illness. Um, And I'm always been one to, you know, please invite them. I would, you know, consult people over the phone and I would, you know, bring all the people, you know, ask all the questions. Uh, You know, cannabis and, you know, cancer isn't just focused on the one person that has cancer. It's everybody that else is involved. It's their quality of life as well. Um, Mm, And as you know, you know, in my book, you know, I I made a point to, you know, if mom comes down with stage two breast cancer and she's considering using cannabis, you know, do all of your research, but please understand that dad has been freaking out since mom got the diagnosis and that her sister has been trying to pick up the household duties um, even though she's physically incapable of doing it, just trying to help. So cannabis is, I, I believe it should be all inclusive um, yeah. when it's dealing with these very personal matters. And, you know, for strangers, especially to judge, you know, what you've got going on in your own family, in your own house. And, you know, for them to quote unquote shame somebody else for making their own choices is um, it's enough. It's yeah. ridiculous. It, it, people need to knock it off. Yeah. And you know, you, I'm looking here. I, this is the part I have bookmarked in your, in your book because you do a whole section on cancer and you're very, um, and we'll talk more about kind of how you decided to break this book down, but you did, um, you did a whole little segment here in the middle of the book about people's different experiences, um, with cannabis and cancer, but you do, um, you do say that right here. You say, you know, Others, uh, you said here, there are several studies to support the use of uh, cannabinoids to combat the side effects of chemo, but others that show cannabis can cause more harm. So please do your due diligence and do your own research before starting cannabis. So this is not, like you said, not necessarily a pro for everybody book. It's make sure you consult with your doctors, that you consult with the studies and, um, and, and get your, you know, just make a deci- make an informed decision. And you have honest conversations. Uh, a lot of people don't like to bring it up when they go to the doctor, um, you know, that they're trying cannabis or they're thinking about it because a lot of doctors aren't really with it because they don't know enough about it. The endocannabinoid system still is not taught in medical school and it is the largest regulatory system we have in our body. It's bigger than our nervous system. It's bigger than our, you know, immune system. It promotes this homeostasis. And the fact that these doctors and nurses are not being educated on it, just, it blows the minds of those that have very big initials after their names. Um, So a lot of them will, you know, turn their nose up, 
But I still believe it's a doctor's responsibility to have these conversations. They're not going to like that you're doing your own research, but they have to allow you to be a part of your care. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, well, you know, I fired more than one doctor. For, right. You have to, I mean, so you really, sometimes mind. you do have to find, you know, who's best for you. You have to be your own advocate in medicine. You do. You, you really do. do. And then, you know, yeah. And, you know, and back to what you were saying about, you know, doing the research with chemo, I'm a big fan of cannabis working in conjunction with other traditional medicines, you know, whether it be radiation and, you know, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. There was an interesting research paper out there real quick um, that actually showed that cannabis can increase the potential potency of chemotherapy. So if you are not having that conversation with your doctor and he does not know that you're using cannabis, you could absolutely be doing more harm to yourself than good because it's making that chemo work that much better. So on the good oh, side, you don't huge need implications. As, yeah. yeah, you don't need as much radiation if you're doing it with cannabis, according to this article. I am not medically trained in any way. Uh -huh, <laughs> Asterisk. Right. Um, you know, or, you know, you don't want to cut out, you know, the possibility of chemo at all and just switch straight to cannabis. Um, there's got to be a lot of honest conversations that are going on because there are absolutely drug interactions with cannabis. A hundred percent. And again, I, again, those stigmas prevent people from being fully open with their doctors. Like you absolutely, if you're a cannabis user and you're undergoing chemo or any, any sort of medical treatment at all, you know, you need to be able to, you know, tell your doctor so that they're, and so that they know, you know what I mean? They, you don't want to leave them out of the loop. You know, another thing. Right. And a part uh, of it, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> and a part of that is, is these doctors don't know that there's a drug interaction. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with, whether it was a PC or a neurologist, and says, you do know if there's a grapefruit warning on the bottle, there is a huge chance of it having, you know, drug interactions. So that's a good way for people to check to see if there is an initial drug interaction is if there's a grapefruit warning on your prescriptions. Most oh. doctors don't even know to look at this and ask. So again, back to personal responsibility. Now, you know this as an educated consumer, if you read my book, <laughs> and you could ask the doctor and say, hey, does that new migraine medicine come with a grapefruit warning? Because I use CBD and I understand that that has a drug interaction the same way grapefruit does. Yeah. And now you've educated your doctor. You've done the best that you can to look out for yourself. You know, and getting back to the basics, like you had just mentioned, that's another thing I really like about this book. Like almost the, the whole first half of this book is basically like cannabis 101 for somebody who has really never had any experience with it, doesn't know the differences between strains and what, you know, CBD, THC, yes. these, all these different terminologies, ways to, <laughs> and it's all very, um, it's written in a way that's very layman's terms, like, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not, this is a very um, approachable book. I mean, you're, nobody's going to read this and feel intimidated by it. Um, and, you know, you go into things like, what are can I probably, I always say this wrong, cannabinoids. What are cannabinoids? What is the effects of the negative effects of THC, the beneficial effects of THC? You've got it all. I mean, I don't know if people can see this, but like, she's got, she's got all, it's like almost like textbook in a way. So I just yeah, I wanted it to be very useful. Aspects. Yeah, because again, people yeah, like <laughs> people think, oh, Cheech and Chong. That's what they go like. It's all 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 cannabis is the same. It all makes you feel the same. It all does the same thing. Because I've seen the movie. So 
you're really out there busting yeah. those myths. And I, I think that's wonderful. Um, well, thank you. And that was hard yeah. to get it in the layman's terms because it is overwhelming and it is a lot of science. Um, so when I find something that's interesting, I'm going to ask somebody who does do the research, you know, their hands are up in it. And then I have them explain that to me so I can explain it to others. So people don't feel so overwhelmed. Um, and, and just in plain English, you know, you, you don't have to use these, you know, monster terms. And that's why in the book, I also did my best to spell out how you would say, you know, the name of some of these cannabinoids, you know, in real speak, just because it's a lot. And I yeah. really put this out there to hopefully make it not so overwhelming for people. Yeah. And, and I think you've really succeeded in doing that. What kind of reception have you gotten to the book so far? I mean, do you care to uh, share? You know, it's been interesting. It really has. Um, so as you know, there's a lot of information and I wanted it as a reference for bud tenders uh, because more and more I run into these people who work the cannabis counter and, and they honestly, um, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, they, they're in such a position to help and yet they don't have the education to do it. So I started with the plant section because I wanted it as a reference. Somebody came in and they had a problem with, you know, eye issues. I want them to be able to flip through that book and find the research um, that was pulled based for, you know, eye injuries. Um, so the bud tenders, uh, a lot of the owners are coming back saying it's a great resource for new employees to where they can hand them the book and say, hey, learn this before you start on Monday, yeah. um, which is a fantastic compliment for me because that's exactly what I meant from the beginning and the policy part of this book to absolutely touch base with. Right. Um, and when I speak to the consumer, uh, you know, you, me, your neighbor, whoever it is, um, they're actually kind of pissed off that they're not being asked the questions when they do go to dispensaries. Um, why aren't they asking about the drugs that they're taking and, you know, or at least give the little footnote of, hey, the grapefruit warning, there might be an interaction that you should be aware of. Um, it's, again, it's responsibility of what's coming out of the mouth at the, at the counter. Um, so the, the, the regular Joe is, yeah, they're, they're a little irritated that, you know, there isn't this kind of education going on at the retail level. But I also push to them again, personal responsibility. You can't expect somebody to ask you all the time, every question. You have to take it upon yourself to know these answers when you go back in. You, you can't leave your care at 100%, you know, of somebody else's um, keepsake. And, and I think some of this goes back to um, some of the things that you and I had talked about when we were emailing back and forth, because you had mentioned here, here you gave me a, a statistic here, um, that Livingston County currently has uh, uh, 2,939 registered patients and 285 caregivers. Um, and that really, because recreational marijuana passed statewide in 2018, it would make sense. And it seems to show that a lot of those, um, a, there was a much higher number of um, what we would call Patients, uh, registered patients, registered patients. Yeah. yeah, a much higher number of patients who've kind of fallen off the rolls because now they can just go through the recreational gateway that, um, sure. you know, when Michigan legalized recreational marijuana and then they don't have to be on any sort of list. So maybe, sure. you know, maybe that's part of it is that like, so before recreational marijuana, patients had individual caregivers. I have a family member right now who has an individual caregiver. Um, 
and still uses the caregiver. But, you know, and that caregiver is more mindful of the purpose of giving the cannabis. You know what I mean? They know that they're doing it for a patient as opposed to just coming up to the counter and, you know, the person at the counter, they have no idea why you're buying the cannabis, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. So there's no. a little- And I had a caregiver for almost 10 years. Yeah. And I do this for a living, but I can kill a cactus. I have no <laughs> business growing anything. Oh, it's amazing my daughter thrives. Um, <laughs> I care. Uh, but he knew. So what I need, you know, what, you know, what my personal situation was. And, you know, we worked through it together. Right. Um, and, you know, in the state of Michigan, you don't have to be tied to a caregiver to be a medical patient. Um, and, you know, I think you said it best when, you know, Rhett came on so hard and so fast. Um, I think it came out a little bit too fast, in my opinion. We should have given medical a little bit more time to settle in. Um, but it's here. Uh, it is what it is. And it's not about to go anywhere. So the more that you can educate yourself on what is going on out there, whether you're using it recreationally or medically, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just you got to be a smart consumer these days. Absolutely. And that's why I think your book is so great, too, because it really is um, giving people the access to to help them do the research that they need to do, whether they're using it recreationally or um, as a patient. And um, something people, we're we're not going to go too in-depth in this right now, but like just to tag this on um, for people who aren't aware, um, there is there was a news item in WHMI on January 9th. There's a group pushing for City of Howell to permit marijuana facilities there in the City of Howell. So it, 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 um, it, Failed in Brighton. It failed in the city of Brighton uh, during the previous election season. There was a lot of um, community opposition from the so the the chair of the Livingston County Republican Party, Jennifer Smith, led a citizen coalition to oppose marijuana facilities in the city of Brighton. And there really wasn't a lot of pushback. I think a lot of people like don't who aren't keyed into local news are just really not aware when things like this happen. So they don't know that they need to go to meetings and things like that. And so the loudest, you know, the loudest voice in the room sometimes gets the, um, the fun thing about that is that's that's not. That's literally kind of targets people who don't have cars. What do you mean? Like, well, you know, if you live in Howell and you're like, you know, you want to have access to the cannabis. Oh, uh, you have to be able to to drive. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's absolutely true. So like Ella, she's very big on public transit. Like that is one of she's running for county commission in Heartland and she's running on a platform. of expanding public transit but she makes a really good point here that like so the closest dispensaries that we have right now in livingston county are in whitmore lake there's but there's two of them and you know you see i think might even be three i don't know i know there's at least two and maybe one more i'm not 100 percent sure about that um but what and meanwhile you know whitmore lake is reaping the tax revenues from those business. I haven't seen Whitmore Lake fall down to the ground or anything <laughs> since the dispensaries right. came in. <laughs> like, it's the still world standing. did not end. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not like Armageddon over there. Like the whole city hasn't turned into some terrible place because there's two dispensaries. But at any rate, like that was kind of Brighton's, the people who opposed it, that's kind of those group community members kind of 
gave that impression that if Brighton had a dispensary, everything would just, it would destroy Brighton. So it didn't pass. So now yeah, they're going to- well, Yeah. What did you say? What'd you say? Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Raining fire. Yeah, the sky. I know. So, right. Here comes so the locusts. Brighton, exactly. Brighton said no. So now Howell's going to have a chance. Howell's going to have a chance to do the, the same thing here, potentially. What the, what, just basically what the gist is, is there's an attorney who's representing some unknown client. Nobody knows who it is, but he wants to, um, encourage this this client is trying to encourage the city council to um adopt a marijuana use ordinance that would allow dispensaries in the city of Howell and if they don't pass it then by right per the uh uh per the the legislation that was passed leg- I don't know if that's the right word um like the ballot initiative that was passed citizens if they're not if they're not, if there's, if their city councils or township boards are not responding to them, they can go ahead and um, do a special election, make it a ballot question in the uh, in the next in the 2024 election. So that may, be up to the, yeah, yeah, that may be happening here in the city of Howell. Um, city of Howell residents may have a chance if 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 the uh, Howell City Council doesn't really listen to. Um, uh, pro cannabis, you know, folks and decide, you know, to block, to block any sort of, uh, um, progression. Yes. Then they can, thank (laughs) you. Then this, then voters in the city of Howell can, uh, ask for a special election, um, to put it on the ballot. And it should be up to the people. It absolutely should be up to to the people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's, and if you're not afraid, yeah, put it to vote. You yeah. Know? And I, I mean, maybe I, I think, I think the city of Howell likes money. I'm going to, I don't think that's a radical thing to say. So, um, <laughs> you know, maybe there'll be some tax revenue that would come from that as well. So we'll see, we'll see how this, this story, it's a, just a newly developing story. It just came out last week and, um, on WHMI January 9th story. So we'll see, We'll see what ends up happening. But if you care about cannabis, if you care about access to cannabis in your community, you're going to want to start paying attention, folks, to what the city of Howell, uh, excuse me, Howell City Council, where they're kind of headed on this. And, um, yeah. you know, and make it goes back to the stigma, you know? Yes. Yeah, fight the stigma. You know, a lot of people aren't going to speak out because either A, they don't know enough to speak about it, or B, they're, you know, they're uneducated on the issue. You know, even make your voice heard. If this is something that you want in your city, who are you not to stand up and speak out? And then at the end of the day, whoever's got, you know, the most, I mean, that's where it's at. That's what democratic government is all about. That's, that's what it's all about. So amen to that. 100%. I agree with you on that, Angie. Um, So again, folks, it's pot for the people, Um, the plant, the people, and the shop policies of cannabis by Angie Roulier. That's um. Let me get it on here. Do you have a picture of it, Ella? I will put it up. Ella will put the picture up. I'm getting it on. But you tell us where you, where can you where can you get this book, Angie? Um, okay, so it's obviously you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you're not looking to you know do the corporate thing with Amazon and Barnes and Noble, it's on Bookshop.org, which actually uh, it comes in a little bit of a cheaper price, and they only support independent bookstores, which I'm a huge fan. Yes. Um, so you can get it there. Um, and then there's Schuler's in Ann Arbor, Okemos. Um, I, I've been hitting the road. Um, and if you ever have a hard time, you know, finding it or, you know, you're just looking for, you know, a different copy, uh, just please don't hesitate to reach out. 
Do you uh, have a website? I do. Yeah. And I, I've also got a huge research section uh, broken down by medical condition. It's completely free. Um, it, it's not for cannabis. It's not against. It's just research that I have found to be interesting and in what I feel people should know about their conditions. What website? What's your website? Uh, so it's potforthepeople.co. Potforthepeople.co. That's potforthepeople.co. Everyone go to Angie's website. Check her out. She's put an enormous amount of work for this. She should be commended. We wish you all the best, Angie. Thank you again so much for coming onto the Stir Pod today. And you're welcome anytime. Hope to have you back sometime. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, have a great day. Enjoy that game. <laughs> yeah, go Lions. <laughs> Take care. See ya. Welcome back to the Stir, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Angie. She's the best. Um, and I'm so glad that she was able to be with us, share that story. Um, definitely be sure to check out her book. So, all right, back to it. Back to it, Ella. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up here with just a little bit of conversation about the headline, just some more headlines that took place this week here in the county, um, starting with <laughs> this humongous story that came out last week. Cause some shockwaves for those who follow local politics in Livingston County. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the Livingston GOP kind of imploded a little bit. They imploded. So there was a whole, um, like, infighting, major infighting. So, yeah. what? and, you know, we've seen this with the state party as the state GOP as well, and now it's trickling down and it's kind of mirroring, it's blah, mirroring, they're like mirroring each other and you're seeing these same kind of divisions like trickle down into local parties. Yeah. And it, it, it was really off. Like it was, it was really something to see because, and I've said this before on Twitter, like the Livingston GOP is very important for statewide elections in this state. They bring a windfall of votes statewide for Republicans. They are reliable Republican voters that Republicans count on to deliver the numbers for these statewide elections. Yeah. And not just the voting numbers, but money, money. And for the longest time, this area has been a place where people have the money to donate and they've been donating regularly to these elections. And you've, with the, you've seen this change when Megan Reckling, who was the former chair of the GOP, very well-connected individual, very well-liked um, among a lot of, like, people here who are, um, like, movers and shakers here in the county. She was well-connected with people, like, in public office, you know, elected officials. She, she, you know, one of her good buddies was, like, Nick Proctor, who was the former mayor of Howell. Like, these are not... Um, MAGA people necessarily. These are people who make, who like helped our county run. Um, and she got ran out by, by like the MAGA crazies. Yeah. Like, just like what happened with the statewide GOP. And there was a purge and Jennifer Smith, this woman, Jennifer Smith took over and yeah. Jennifer Smith had no prior political experience before this. Okay. Now, well, that's obvious. <laughs> She, you know, can't tell the, she, she can't do basic math. She get, no, just like her, she's kind of like the local Christina Caramo in a way, like, like radical and no political, no prior political experience. Whereas Megan Reckling, 
she was like chief of staff, I think, or high up on Lana Tice's state senator yeah. Lana Tice's staff. Like she wasn't just she's somebody who knows people in Lansing. Now I'm not a fan of Megan Reckling, but I'm not going to say that she doesn't know how to run a political party. Okay, this woman is a whole other story. So, but the thing is, what's happening is. It's coming from like the call, like my friend Christina Drake said this the other day on Facebook, the call is coming from inside the house. I laughed so hard when she wrote that because (laughs) it's their own people. It's their own infighting that's making this happen. So this guy who, Rob Pelizzari, who's big in the local GOP, just like Jennifer Smith is, but he's not the chair. He sent an email to everyone in the Livingston GOP, I guess, and it got it got leaked out to the Livingston Post. And do they have the list of grievances on there, Ella? She Maria Stewart wrote this story. This um, scroll up a little bit, and is there a link you can click on that has the list? Here, uh, the December thirtieth. Click that link. So Rob's email had a list of. To the, this is this went out to all the GOP, where he, he it says here he made you know all of his complaints, and then he had this list of like like ninety eight grievances. If you here we go, unfortunate as it is, following are the reasons why I feel Jennifer Smith should be removed as chair of the Livingston County Republican Party. And Rob Pelizzari, this is his list. And look at here, right at the very top, they bounced a check to Riley Gaines. <laughs> What's that? Who's that? Riley Gaines is the um, swimmer who, like, did. she's not an Olympian swimmer. She's, like, the fourth place to qualify to maybe be an Olympian swimmer. And she's very anti-trans. Yeah. And so they had Riley Gaines come to Crystal Gardens and deliver um, an address for their one of their fundraising banquets. And uh, it was weird. I saw the video. She spent, like, an hour talking about... Like it was, she spent like an hour talking about changing her swimsuit in, in the, in the bathroom, but she did it in front of an audience full of old men, which was really weird and awkward. Like apparently she's fine talking, talking to a room of old men about changing and not changing in a, in her, into her swimsuit. But, but, Oh, you know, when it comes to sharing a, sharing a, a locker room, um, with some, with a trans woman, that's just one step too far. She's kind of like tried to like, what do you call it? clout clout? I don't know how that's like. She's been trying to like clout farm off of this, raise grift, yeah. raise money off of this, like by going around the country and speaking at like MAGA events to, about the about this to to gin up the base against trans people. Well, they bounced a check to her, okay. <laughs> like just crazy stuff so the whole you can find this on the livingston post um and just like give you an idea of like so like how this is like so i saw this the other day this is one thing that jennifer had said about um on facebook this is like you're looking at this radical end of things so jennifer said this is just a couple this is just from a couple days ago she says public education needs to cease to exist uh, this is the chair of the Livingston County Republican Party. For now, for now, we'll see what happens. We'll see if this takeover, this coup actually takes place. 
Public education needs to cease to exist, she says. It is absolutely corrupt and hijacked by a nasty political party because Republicans play nice with liberals, but not with each other. That was her take. Well, this is I'll a, say the same thing that I said last time regarding this. Um, you know, if you think you are not being listened to by your school board, if you get rid of public education, then they just won't listen to you full stop because public uh, education is... A democratic institution. It's a democratic institution. Your, you know, private school or whatever is not. Uh, they are, you know, they're private investors and all that fun stuff. And You're not wrong. I mean, you're absolutely not wrong. But, like, my, my, my thing I mean, that I... Sh- here's the thing. Sure, you know, you could make the argument that, you know, with a private school, oh, if, if they don't work out for you, you can choose to go to a different one. I mean, first of all, not everyone can do that. Number two, you can already do that with public schools. School of choice exists. Yeah. School of so choice there exists. is really no good reason to be trying to harm public education. And here's way. the thing, and I think this is what bothers Jennifer Smith, is that public education public education has to serve everyone. Yeah. You, a private education, they can turn away anybody they want to. They can turn you away because you have a disability. They can turn you away because they don't like your face. They can, they, they'll let in or de- uh, decline anybody that they want to. And so public schools are a pluralistic environment with a variety of students from a variety of backgrounds. And I think at her core, she hates that idea. And But, but I'll say this. I don't think a majority of people would agree with that statement. I think if you were to poll a majority of people, they would say somebody who says that public education should cease to exist is an absolutely batshit crazy idea. And I, I, I think I think the majority of majority of people would think that. Like they might not like public schools all all the time, and everyone may have legitimate complaints yeah. because they do. That's normal. That's how you make things better. That's how you improve is by identifying problems and improving on them. But to say, oh, let's just get rid of it all together and replace it with what? Like everybody homeschools, everybody goes to private school. It's just, it's an extraordinary statement. It doesn't even really deserve any sort of legitimate retort because it's so freaking out there. But I'm glad you said that though, Ella, because you're right. You're not wrong. But I just brought that up to show like, these are the kinds of people that are now have taken over the Livingston County Republican Party. And I think moderate Republicans are still, to some sense, like to some degree, supportive of public education, even though they may not agree with everything that um, with every way that public ed is run, you know, they still want it there. They don't want it to like be eradicated. So, so now all these crazies are fighting with each other and we're going to have to see how this plays out. They were all, we don't know who, who leaked the email. It's like drama and tea galore. Like somebody leaked that email to Maria Stewart. Yeah. And now they're all like, Ooh, what a traitor (laughs) leaking those emails. We need to root root them out we should root them out and expel them and they're talking about like maybe changing their bylaws getting rid of like the number of delegate like they they want to like make it even smaller and more insular now to protect the people in charge like that's that's exactly what they tried to do on the statewide party as well and like they didn't have it christina caramo got the boot even though she refuses to leave and Pete Hoekstra, who's a former ambassador under you, um, um, under former President Trump, he was a he was an, an ambassador. Um, 
is now like being recognized as the new chair of the Michigan GOP. And we'll see how that goes because Christina Crow is like, I'm not stepping down. So <laughs> it's just Michigan's the whole thing is such a like, oh, it's like a dumpster fire. Wait, are you talking about the Michigan? The Michigan GOP. Yeah, the state. Livingston, I think. Well, no. Well, I I might be getting them confused. But the Livingston GOP and the Michigan GOP, they're kind of doing the same thing now. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're both both, uh, collapsing in on themselves. uh, So that's cool. Well, yeah. So so that's cool. you want to talk (laughs) about... No, that is cool. I was like, you yes. wanna talk about Judge Hattie now? Okay, yeah. We're gonna talk yeah. about Judge Hattie and then we're gonna and then we're gonna go to good vibes and yeah. wrap it up. So um uh Yeah. Yeah. So another thing, I keep going into the posts, but um there's you know been some interesting stuff lately about that's been going on in the post, but uh, Judge so, Hattie is leaving. Yeah. Judge Hattie, okay, so um Judge Hattie, good judge. I've actually been before Judge Hattie before. Same here. You've been, yeah, you... I I had when I went through my name change process, I went, I I had him. I actually like did research on him beforehand. Uh huh. So, and he was fair. Yeah, he, he was, was very fair. He to you. was a very, it was a very good judge. Good. I think. He was very fair to me as well. Yeah. So back when the whole COVID thing was going on, and the sheriff's department was trying to charge me with a felony, um for tweeting about COVID misinformation, the woman who had originally filed the complaint against me, Holly Austin, who is a uh, nurse educator at Schoolcraft College. I still, I think she's still there. I don't know. She filed a PPO against me uh, and she lost um, because she had no claim, but she, I was in front of judge Hattie for that as well. And judge Hattie was like, what evidence do you have to show that she's harassing you? Like, has she gone to your house? Bless you. Has she called you? Has she done any of these things? Like, has she tried to contact you? Well, no, 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 no. And he basically said, well, madam, like, this is not an issue to be de- decided over a PPO. This, this is a civil matter. I highly suggest you pursue civil court if that's really, you know, what you want to do. Never did. But, you know, Judge Hattie was very fair to me, and I really appreciate that. But at any rate, he's retiring. Yeah. And uh, so he's going to have a successor that will be appointed by Governor Whitmer. And uh, this was Buddy Morehouse um, from the Livingston Post just wrote, he wrote a column about this recently. He made, like, he, he gave Judge Hattie, like, some mad credit. He said, you know, Judge Hattie was... Judge Hattie was appointed by Jennifer Granholm back when Jennifer Granholm was governor. And he was a pro-life Democrat. And even Buddy himself admits in the story that, like, Judge Hattie was a really good judge. Um, so, and but then he goes on to complain, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but he goes on to complain about how horrible it is that um, now Gretchen Whitmer is going to be appointing, I think it's like the third judge now, uh, well, the third Democrat judge, okay? Like, Democrat, like, from the party. I mean, we don't, the truth is, we don't know what the political affiliations of these judges are, and truthfully, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're judges, they're not politicians they're not politicians and they're they're you're exactly right ella and you know their role um is not one to uh, to promote political parties i think is is the main thing here so but i i will say this i feel better um knowing that um 
Governor Whitmer is she's a protector of reproductive rights for women. And we have recently seen uh, for all people, I should say, not just women. um, And we have seen across this country a real attack on um, on people uh, for trying to exercise their reproductive rights just in Ohio. Just just a few miles south of us, a woman faced a grand jury for she was being charged basically with a felony for trying to dispose of the remains after she had a miscarriage. And this was a huge story. It went all over. It was all over the news. And the grand jury refused to indict her. Um, but yeah, she was going to face a felony for for the way she for trying to dispose dispose of her of of the fetus's remains after a miscarriage. So like the people we have in court are very I think it's very important that we do have prosecutors, judges who respect um and and I and I trust Governor Whitmer's going to do this, who respect the autonomy of people and their reproductive rights. Um not just and not just reproductive rights but people's rights in general like you look at me like i i of course i think a lot about this um of course i think a lot about this because i faced a potential felony court case myself when the sheriff wanted to charge me and that became at the forefront of my mind and like it really made me think wow it's really important that we have you know solid judges prosecutors um you know in our court system that are there to look at not from a biased perspective but just to get to the truth to pursue justice um and you know that is really what is is most important so i mean i guess i just i just kind of wanted to go there the, a judge is, shouldn't be advancing one party side over the other but should be a true unbiased mediator who helps resolve conflicts between people that's really what it's all about but also who is respectful of the law so, and what the law says in here in Michigan, our law is we protect, we protect reproductive freedom. So hopefully, yeah. my main point is, folks, it's very important when you, you got to think about this stuff. When you vote for governor, they're making these appointments to your local offices, you know. So it's very important that we, um, you know, really are active participants in the electoral process and elect good people to represent us. So we'll be looking forward to uh, who that who that who's uh who's going to be appointed to re- to replace Hattie. She wants to throw the pillow. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're done. We're wrapping up. Okay, this is a good vibes. The good vibes pillow. The good vibes pillow. We Okay, so first of all, hold on. Our good vibes for today, we're going to tout ourselves. Um we didn't do this last time cuz it's been so long since we've been on. But um I just wanted to point out we the stir pod has been in the news um the paper it's all blurry step back i will unblur it she's gonna unblur it so the stir pod made pride source magazine um this was last it was actually about a month or so ago we've been so busy we haven't even had a chance to do it but um it says here the headline john king wrote this for us and he's Friend of the show, John King, um, wrote this for, for Pride Source. And can I see that real quick when you're done, Ella? So I love the headline. I love the headline. Um, one of the queerest podcasts in Michigan is recorded in one of its most conservative counties. One of the 
queerest podcast in Michigan is recorded in one of Michigan's most in its most conservative county. Well, the thing is, <laughs> there we are making waves. <laughs> this county is slowly becoming less and less conservative, isn't it? I uh, think it is over time. Over um, time I think it's uh, changing for sure. And we want to thank Pride Source for putting us um, yes. and John King for doing that story about us. It's so awesome to like see us in print, and also like our buddy Jay's. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Jay's had to take a break because. Um, he is going to trucking school out of state. So he um, he decided to do like what a lot of people, unfortunately, are doing right now. And they're leaving the bus driving, like the school bus driving. It's like there was a letter that went out to parents in Heartland and Fowlerville, I think, where they're like, there's a, an extreme shortage of bus drivers. And I think Jace had kind of an experience that was not a great one. And it caused him to kind of reconsider his career path. And so now... Um, he is out there doing that for now, but we are hoping that he will come back and um, be on our show at least periodically. Cause I know y'all would probably, probably miss having him on here. Cause yeah, he was definitely. great. He was a great addition, but we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And um, yeah, I think that about, yeah. Oh, let's give him our socials real quick. Oh, yeah, so right. if yeah. you, if you're watching this on YouTube, probably not this evening because of the football game, we get it. You're forgiven. Um, but if you catch it on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe. That really helps get our numbers up there. And then also you can follow us here on these socials right here. Uh, we're on TikTok at the StirPod. We're on Insta at the StirPod. And you can listen to us on all your favorite podcast audio formats like Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. If you go to the stirpod.transistor.fm, the stirpod.transistor.fm, there's a link to our Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you want to listen to your podcast, you can find us there. And I think that I, I small clapped. You're okay. <laughs> I think that's going to wrap us up. One. Everybody have a great week. We will be back in two weeks with Pat Johnson. Um, he hosts his own podcast, um, Left of Lansing. I've been on it a couple times. He's going to come on and talk to us. We're going to talk a little bit about Tim Alberta's new book, The Kingdom, The Power, and The Glory. Tim Alberta is a Brighton native. He's written, he's world famous now, world famous reporter, written a great book about evangelicalism and Trumpism, and we're going to talk about our experiences. So stay tuned for that. Two weeks. Have a great two weeks. Stay warm. Stay toasty. We'll see you later. Bye.